Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, it's wonderful to be here again. Wonderful to be in your midst. Um, I'm delighted with this church. I'm delighted with this house. This house is a spiritual house. And you've got uh, two wonderful pastors and Stephen and Vanessa. I want you to really understand how privileged you are to have ministers that don't compromise the word of God, that feed you, they spend time in the word and in prayer. And it's a privilege to be part of it. And it's a privilege for Ida and I to be here to minister along with them. It's an honour. And you people, you people are trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. You're growing up into greater things and I want to encourage you today. And I've brought a message that I feel might help you and I pray it does. So let's just pray for a moment. Would you pray in other tongues for a moment or two? Kudiliyama tapa sukuya Halamandara dabariyandiliyako shalamandala masukuya Halamandariyakaradabarababababayalamundarakayadabashundai only Anglia Kadabari Indilia Mosuliamo Kukuya Namaya Lindi Diakaya Namasako Yadaburupaya Lamunda Labasina. Father, we thank you for all that's been done so far this morning. We thank you for the praise and the worship. We thank you, Father God, for a oneness, a flowing of your spirit among us in Jesus' name. Father, when we gather together in harmony and in unity, there you are in the midst of us, and it's there that you command the blessing. And so, Father, we say that we are blessed this morning in Jesus' name. Even those that are shared and that have, uh, are doing work in their particular streams, and they've come up here and shared this morning. And I thank you for the anointing on these people. And I want to encourage them that all is taken note by the Lord. And so I want to encourage you to continue and continue in power. Father, these people are your sons and your daughters. And they're being risen up. They're standing up. They're taking hold of the things that you have placed for them. And so, Lord, I give you thanks. You said, Father, there is only one thing that's needful. And Mary chose that needful thing. 
the word of God. And so, Father, I pray that these people would not get caught up in the cares of this life and be bustled here and there. But, Father God, that they would come to the word of God on a daily basis and be strengthened and strengthened and strengthened, Lord. For these days, Father God, Lord, they rise above all the problems and all the situations, and they live in victory, I pray, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let us make a bold confession this morning. And when we make a confession, I want us really to put everything into it. Amen? Amen. No evil evil will befall me. me. Neither shall any plague plague come nigh my dwelling. For you have given your angels charge over me. They keep me in all my ways. In my pathway is life. And there is no death. A thousand shall fall at my side. Ten thousand at my right hand. But it shall not come nigh me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I want you to take your Bibles. And I want you to turn to the book of Genesis. You'll need a Bible for this, not a laptop. (laughs) I'm the old school. Chapter 1 and chapter 2 is on a page like that. And it tells you the will of God for your life. If you go to chapter 3 we see where Adam committed uh, the transgression and sin came upon all men. If we will hold the Bible there and go to the book of Acts, the beginning of the book of Acts, which is that much. And it's dealing with sin. Dealing with the transgression. When we go from the book of Acts to the fourth chapter in Revelation, is that much? And it's telling you that sin has no more dominion over you. The The Gospels, thank you, the Gospels is Jesus introducing to the children of Israel, introducing the Father. He is trying to uh, get them to understand the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob 
is a father with a father's heart. And they stoned him for it. Eventually they, they put him up on the cross and killed him. The Pauline, Pauline re, uh, revelations in the New Testament is the Father introducing Jesus in reality. He is also introducing the new creation, which is you and I. A revelation of his sons and his daughters here in a crooked and perverse world. The Bible is a book of covenants. And here in the New Testament, that small part in the New Testament is a book that an unborn again man cannot understand. The New Testament is food for the new creation. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians in chapter 2, please. And I'll begin reading in verse 7, and it says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them to us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. That is, in your Bible, or in the King James Version here, I've got a capital S for Spirit, but it really should be the reborn Spirit. I'll read verse 10 again. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit, the, new, the reborn Spirit, searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. When you and I got born again, we became a new creature in Christ, a new creation, a species of being that never before existed, praise God. But I tell you what, that reborn spirit immediately started to search for God, search for Father, Father God. Abba, Father, it would cry out. Just like a natural baby, when they're born, they're crying out for mummy. And that spirit is crying out for daddy God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so it searches, begins to search for the deep things of God. Verse 11, For what man knoweth the things of, man, of a man, what, but the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. 
Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words of man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, that's the unborn again man, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Now would you turn to 2 Corinthians in chapter 3, please. 2 Corinthians 3, glory be to God. Verse 18. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. When we look into our New Testament, it's like looking into a mirror. It's as in a glass, a a looking glass. And as we look in here, we see Jesus. And as we keep looking and looking and going from Scripture to Scripture, from glory to glory, we begin to be changed. And we keep looking and looking and looking into this New Testament, praise God. And we see we're being changed. And after a bit and we're looking in here, guess what who we see? We see you. You begin to see yourself. You're being changed into the same image as Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So this New Testament is so powerful to behold. And... uh, You see, sin is not the problem. It's believing that's the problem. I didn't get many amens there. But I'm telling you, sin is not the the problem. Sin was dealt with at Calvary's cross, and I'll tell you what, all the power of it was broken. The Lord Jesus Christ broke that, and he put sin away. Now he's looking for you and I to believe him. Glory be to God. It's time for that. There are several important foundational truths that have been greatly important to me that has changed my life and I believe that they are essential for you to know and understand. And I want to share one of them with you today. But of these truths, it's important that you and I should know the integrity of God's Word. That God will never let you down. God will always, you can guarantee His Word. It's guilt-edged. You can stand on it. And if you'll stand on it, I know it takes faith. But if you'll stand on God's word, 
in every situation, you will overcome every situation. Another powerful revelation is the reality of your redemption. The reality of being a new creature in Christ. The reality of your righteousness. Who you are in Christ. Another powerful message and understanding is that you are a spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body. And I want to share with you this morning about covenant relationship with God. Several years ago, back in 1980, Ida and I were privileged to go on a full gospel uh, businessman's trip to America and we were absolutely changed on that trip. We had been born again about six years. I had a business, an antique business in Waimati, out at Morven, a little small place. But God prospered us ever since we became Christians. We began to get very involved with our church. We began to understand the things of God with a Pentecostal church, baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. We'd preach the gospel down the street. We'd go out to the riverbed where they, the young ones congregated on a Sunday and on a Saturday. And we would minister the word of God to them. We didn't know a whole lot. But that's the way we started off. In the church, we're always told about what we should be doing, but no one was doing it. <laughs> so we decided that we would. And uh, time went by at our... Uh, we began to tithe, and, and, and uh, I, I'll tell you what, when I first went there, I was brought up an Anglican, and it was a penny in the plate. <laughs> and uh, I was so tight with money. Uh, we were traveling into church now, we're born again. And I got my dollar in my pocket, put in the offering. And uh, my mother says, oh, I've left my, left my uh, offering at home. And um, another sister, she says, oh, well, I never brought any either. <laughs> and I had five dollars. <laughs> I had my dollar and a five dollar. I said, oh, well, I'll pop into the shop and I'll get, get some change. <laughs> and so they come, I come out, they didn't, have, they didn't have all singles. I asked for five singles. And they come out with two, two dollars, and, and I had to use the whole five dollars. <laughs> anyway, not long after that, there was a group of people come from Levin to our church. 
And one of them got up and he, he began to prophesy about someone here who was just going into business. I knew that was me. And how that he was in business, he didn't know uh, how much he would be able, his tithe was every week, but he would tithe by faith. And so it spoke to me, and I remember I just paid all the bills, were all paid, and I had $35 in my pocket. And a car offering came round to me, and I put my hand in there. And the moment I put that $35 in, it broke something over my life. It set me free. And so... From that time on, we began to tithe and give. We learned to give, and now it's just natural. It's very unnatural as a born-again believer not to be a giver. And so we then began to, on this trip, we heard some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things. You know, I was, we're, we're at one particular church and at a seminar, and it was, you know, the Crystal Cathedral. You, um, we were doing a seminar there, and I was just leaving there, and they'd said in the seminar that you could buy a pane of that glass to help them build it for $1,500 and you get your name on it. Or one, buy a chair and you get $2,000 and that chair would have your name on it. I'm coming out of there and I said, Lord, that's not right. Lord, you know, I, I can't see that being right. He says... You mind your own business. <laughs> he says, this man here has brought so many thousand people to the Lord. And he says, when you have got up and you've saved that, got that many saved, he says, you might have something to say. I brought you over here. You're just a small-minded, religious oh, Kiwi boy. And I brought you over here to expand your thinking and your mind. I says, yes, sir. I never, and I'll tell you what, I, I'm, I'm very careful not to make my opinions noticed. And so, from that time on, we ended up coming over to Kenneth E. Hagen's camp meeting, and I'll tell you what, one of them. The word of God bypassed this religious head and hit me in the, in the spirit. And I'll tell you what, it lift me off my seat from time to time. I was being overhauled. And I'll tell you what, I asked the Lord what happened to me. I, for years I says, Something happened to Ida and I. When we come back home, they, the people says, man, you guys look great. What's happened to you? 
Oh, they just loved what they saw. But when we opened our mouth, they didn't like it too much. <laughs> they didn't want to hear. Everyone's talking about their sickness and their disease. And when we heard that, we had been so changed and so renewed in our mind that we don't have to be sick anymore. <laughs> Glory be to God. My, my, I'm telling you. And when you hear people talking about their sickness and their arthritis and what's going to happen if we go on holiday, sure the kids are going to get, some of them are going to get sick. So you end up in a, such a negative thing. Do you know what it was like to us? It was like they were cussing. It was like they were swearing. Look, we couldn't handle that. And yet, even today, it seems to be natural amongst Christian people to be talking about that, things that way. It's wrong. Get on the word, glory be to God. Take what the scriptures say. You've got a covenant with God. Hallelujah. It's time for that. So the Bible is a book of covenants. And this word over the years has lost its power when we change it to testament, the New Testament and the Old Testament. And without a covenant awareness in your life, you will never understand this book. Are you listening to me? You'll never understand it enough to stand on its power and its authority and accomplish what God has told us to accomplish in this day and in this hour. The New Testament is a powerful book for you. We need a firmer realization, a renewing of our minds to what covenant really means. The purpose of a covenant was to establish a relationship that is impossible to break. People who have a knowledge without understanding, they begin to philosophize. And philosophy is just an educated guess. Covenant is not theory. Covenant does not theorize. Covenant is real. It's all powerful. And covenant is alive. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Covenant, the word covenant is to cut or make an incision where blood flows. We in there with the English language, we've got to add another word to understand what covenant means to the Hebrew. We've got to add blood. Blood covenant. And that 
was the most binding, the most sacred event to be involved with. It brought about a unity. There was an honor with it, an integrity and a trust between the parties that were involved. There was a loyalty. Loyalty. Think about that word loyalty. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be a loyal person? Isn't it a wonderful thing to be trusting? Isn't it a wonderful thing to be able to trust people? And when you become Christians, isn't it a wonderful thing? And we ought to be able to trust one another with a, with a, uh, a powerful, powerful understanding that these people are your, are your, are your closest friends. You know, Christians to one another, brothers and sisters, ought to be stronger than natural birth. We don't like to hear that too much. We're so, we're so, and it's great to be that way with family. But I tell you what, God's family ought to be like that with one another. Amen. Standing up for one another. Right. I mean just really locking arms with one another, fighting each other's fight, glory be to God, being there for one another. We're talking about something that's out of this world, something that's greater, bigger than us. Glory be to God. So it was a bigger fear to be involved with a blood covenant. Hallelujah. Almighty oh, God. Hallelujah. Covenants began and they originated in Eden. Adam had committed high treason. Went and hid the glory of God that he was clothed in. They became naked and realized they were naked. And God sacrificed an animal and clothed them with the skin of that animal. Adam stepped back. The first time he's seen blood. Blood is awesome. It's an awesome thing to be. If you get blood on your hands, you go and wash it quickly, don't you? You get you wash it off. There's something about blood. What have I done? He committed high treason. So God helped him as much as he could, clothed him, and now he was to face the world without the word of God. He was going to be working the rest of his life by the sweat of his brow. Yes, amen. Today, we clothe our children. We feed our children. They get 17 years old and we send, send them out into this wicked world without the word of God.
It's a dangerous place out there. No wonder this world is in a mess. At least in today's world, we're more civilized because of the church being here and because of Jesus Christ. And they go out into the world though and if they don't know the words, if you haven't brought them up on the words of God, what have they got to stand on? Before Abraham, it was a lawless place. It was the survival of the fittest. Dog eat dog. Fear of being overrun. And so I want to share with you the procedure of cutting a blood covenant in those days. And I want to show you this. We'll use the example that I'm a farmer. My tribe, maybe we're in fear of being overrun. There are stronger tribes surrounding us now. And how are we going to survive? All we do is till the land. That's all we know. We're good farmers. But there's a neighbouring tribe that are worrying us and we're in fear. What can we do about it? These people are great warriors. They are fighters. They're hunters. They're strong people. Stronger than us. How can we survive? And the one thing that we knew, cut a covenant with them. So what we would do then, we'd go to this other party. And here's, we'd have a powwow. Now your family's a strong family. You, you're warriors and powerful people. We're farmers on the land and we would like to offer you a, 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 a we could come together maybe and I'll tell you what if you will protect us we'll, we'll till this land and feed you all the food from it, you won't have to worry about food from the land, we will supply that to you, will you supply to us your protection. <laughs> and so that's how things were done in those ancient days. And I want you to understand how powerful that was because it was dog eat dog. It was nothing for them to just go in and wipe out a tribe. And so that's what they had to face. But the, the heritage of it all started in Eden. And so I'd say, Sir Josh. Sir Josh. <laughs> We'd have discussions, lengthy discussions, on the blessing, how we could bless one another. And so then 
we would then decide where we would cut the covenant. And it was usually a big area where both families, both tribes could fit in. And uh, we would uh, then uh, choose the animals to sacrifice them. Where they usually were large animals. And so, Josh, come over here. And we got these big animals. Bullocks. <laughs> and then they would dress them, they would slice them down the backbone. Cut them down the backbone and slice them in half. Blood would fall. And then one side would fall this way and the other side that way. Maybe another animal here. The same would happen. And in between was a walkway. And it was called the walkway of blood. We would stand before one another and the first thing that we would do then we would exchange coats. <laughs> this guy <laughs> usually was bare skinned. <laughs> but I would exchange coats. That means my authority. The authority of our family is your authority. Amen. And then his would mean his authority of their family was my authority. Wherever he went, I could go. I could walk down through the jungle with no fear. Then we'd exchange belts. Belts was where the weapon, weaponry hung from. And that was symbolic of I'll fight your fight. I'll be your man. I'll fight for you to the death. That's how powerful this was. And so that exchange and then well, the next thing, the ceremony began. And we would get in to the blood walk and we'd walk up and down. Walk up and down on that blood, blood up to our ankles. And then we'd turn and face one another. And Josh would say this, I'll fight your fight. <laughs> yeah. I'll fight your fight. I'll be your man. I'll be your man. I'll fight unto the death. I'll fight unto the death. Hallelujah. I will do it, saith I'll do it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And I would say to Josh, I would say to Josh, Josh, I swear to your family that we will feed you from the earth all the days of our lives. We will bring the food to you. All our assets are your assets. Everything we own, you own. And so that great exchange was so powerful. Everything we are, we gave. And so then the, the blessings 
That was the blessings. Our assets were exchanged. Our land is your land. Hallelujah. And then things changed a bit and some horrible things. You ever break this covenant, your own family will hound you and kill you unto the death. <laughs> that is the way it is. <laughs> and so that powerful curse, the curse, we'd given the blessing, now the curse, if you ever broke it. And you know, folk, one time early when we're out in the ministry, we're up in the Coromandel Peninsula and I had the privilege of leading an old Maori elder to the Lord. He was nigh on 90 years old and he received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Saviour. And we began to talk about covenants. And I asked him, had you ever witnessed or been part of the cutting of a blood covenant? And he says, no, I never was. But I heard them talking about it. And he says, all I know, that if you ever broke one, death was the penalty. And so, then after these oaths were sworn they would make an incision where blood flowed in your wrist or in your hand and tie them together so that the blood of Josh's family flowed and mingled with the Heath family. It was an awesome thing. All the family round about were in awe. It struck them. They just, it was so powerful that they understood how spiritual and powerful the ceremony is. It is not to be taken lightly, just like the words that come out your mouth when you say you'll do something. That's what covenant is. You never break it. Your words are the most powerful thing that you have in your possession. But I'll tell you what, they can break you just as much as put you over. And when the Spirit of the Lord has come upon you, your tongue is being dealt with very severely. And the abundance of your heart begins to speak good things. When you sow the Word of God into your heart daily, and when you pray, half an hour every day, power, anointing, you're being changed more and more from glory to glory into the image of his son. Hallelujah. And so Josh is my blood brother. Amen. Hallelujah. Just like every one of us here. 
We're covered by the blood. We're covered by the blood. Hallelujah. The most precious of all. Glory be to God. And so then, we would leave that ceremony and plant a tree to be in remembrance of what was done. And then there was a covenant meal. The blood and the bread. And those families lived in harmony, in unity for the rest of their lives. Being a blood brother was more powerful than being a natural brother. Amen. And so I get stirred up in this message because it's real. There's no fake. You can't cut covenant and fake it. It's life. Oh, glory be to God. I want you to go now to the book of Romans, please. But just before I do that, there's one part, Josh, that I I had missed out with Josh's. What's your surname? Why? 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 Sometimes... In covenant relationship, they were, they were hyphenated in the names of the families. So this would be Heath, Why he hyphenated. Amen. When I, thanks Josh, when I married Ida, that just shows you how powerful covenant is. The marriage is the most powerful thing that we get involved in. It is covenant. I'm Heath. Ida's uh, single name was Harrison. If we hyphenated that, it would be Harrison Heath. Born of Harrison. Covenanted to Heath. That's what that means. And in the marriage act, the hymen is broken and blood flows. You see the pattern of God? Never to be broken. Let no man come between us. Covenant. That's what that means. This is not just some frivolous thing when you take a man's hand. You know, some people should shake a hand like this. 
there's nothing there. But when you shake it like that, there's an anointing. You impart an anointing. That's covenant. It's not done lightly. Go to the book of Romans, please. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. You know this passage of Scripture well. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Thank you, Jesus. As it is written, I have made thee the father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, that's Abraham, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not, I want you to get a hold of this, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his, for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, glory be to God, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Now, I want to I know something. What happened? What happened to Abraham to become fully persuaded, to be absolutely convinced that he could take his son up Mount Moriah to sacrifice him and be absolutely persuaded and stagger not. Go over to me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11. Hallelujah, verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. According that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from whence he also had received him in a figure. How could this man come to that place? Here's his only 
son. And yet he didn't stagger when God says, take him up and I want to sac- you to pre- present him as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah. Don't you think that's awesome? A thing like that. How would you go when you were tested to see whether you trusted God or not? This is an awesome thing. And so he took up, he took his son Isaac up. He's promised that he's going to, through him was the seed, was going to be born through him. He was going to be the father of a great nation. And here he is taking him up Mount Moriah to sacrifice. Do you know what? He was absolutely convinced that God was able to raise him up from those ashes even if he died. Even if he put that knife into his son, he believed and, and, and burned his body that God would raise him up again. That's how much he was convinced in the word of God. And I want to know how. How do you get to that place? How can I believe like that? I want to know why. How can a man get to that place? Go with me to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. Are you there? Hallelujah, Jesus. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. So here's Almighty God talking to this man, Abram. And Abram said, Lord God, What wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And so here Abraham, he's in a place where he doesn't know what's going on, And he says, it looks like this Eliezer, my servant, is my heir. And that's what he saw. He didn't have the image that it's talking about over in Hebrews. He had an image that all he could see, the circumstances was, it was this Eliezer. You have not given to me a son. And so God says, he will not be your heir. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This shall not be thine heir. Out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell me the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall your seed be. So here he is, he's changing his outlook on what he sees from something else that's natural. And he says, look up to the sky, see the stars. So shall your seed be. If you can number them, so shall your seed be. Oh, mighty God. 
Hallelujah. And the Bible says in verse 6, And he believed in the Lord. I tell you what, believing in the Lord is not good enough. You can ask most people on the street, do you believe in the Lord? Oh, yeah, I believe in the Lord. But you ask them, do you believe the Lord? There's a difference between believing in the Lord and believing the Lord. You're very quiet. Most of you are saying, I believe in the Lord. But I, do you believe the Lord? Can you pick up your New Testament and act on it? In reality? And go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? Does it mean that much to you? Or if you're battling sickness... Are you moved more by the circumstances than the word of God where God says, by the stripes of Jesus you were healed? Amen. Hard word, eh? Get rid of this, apostle. <laughs> We've got to grow up. We've got to get out of the nappies. It's time to stand up and stand on the word. Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And listen. And he believed in the Lord, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of there of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, now here's, Here's where Abraham's faith is. Listen. And he said, Lord God, whereby, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Was he, was he staggering? Certainly he was staggering. Abraham was not believing Abram at that time. He was staggering. He was not convinced. How will I know? God had just told him. And he says, how will I know? Now listen, this is where it gets good. This is where it really gets good. And he said unto him, take me an heifer of three years old. And a she goat, three years old. And a ram, and three years old. And a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and he divided them down the midst. Abram knew exactly what God was talking about. And so he split those animals down the center, and the Bible says that the, 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 the fowl of the air came to devour them. I mean when there's covenant, when we're approaching a unity, a binding and a promise and a drawing of one of us, us together, one will put a thousand to flight, but two of us, ten thousand, when we come into unity and in agreement. But the devil will do all he can to devour any agreements among us. And a great sleep came upon Abram. 
and he went to sleep and in his sleep God began to speak to him about this great nation. But eventually this great nation was going to go into bondage for 400 years. And then Abram awoke and do you know what he saw? And it came to pass in verse 17 that this that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. The same day the Lord made covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river Euphrates. I mean, I'd be kicking those... I'd be kicking those chairs over by now. That's how it affects me. How about you? Here's this man in unbelief and he wakes up and God Almighty is moving up and down between those pieces and the blood of these animals. And he's swearing to this man. As for me, this is what I'll do. If you go over here to... Chapter 17, he's saying in verse 2, And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and uh, will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations, this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you, and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. His part was to spill blood. Now do you understand how Abram, when he was told he was 100 years, 99 years old and married to a woman 90 year old that they were going to have a child. And he was absolutely convinced he staggered not. Why? Because of blood covenant. He knew that if this covenant never come to pass, God would have to kill himself. Death was the penalty of breaking a blood covenant.
What are we playing around with, brothers and sisters? What are we playing around with? The deepest thing that you can ever know, ever get a hold of. God spilled his blood of his only begotten son. Abram had taken his son up, Moriah. He lifted the knife. Abraham, Abraham! The angel cried out. The Lord has provided over here in the thicket the animal to be sacrificed. God's saying, Abram, because you have not withheld your only son, I'm obligated not to withhold my only son. And so just over a few, you could see from the top of Moriah, Golgotha's hill. That was going to be the covenant area where the covenant of all covenants would be cut. God withheld not his son, Go with me to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. And uh, chapter 28, please. Deuteronomy 28. This is part of the agreement that God made with Abram. He says, and it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, And blessed shalt thou be in the field. Notice the blessings. He's swearing this oath to the man. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in. And blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish an holy people unto himself as he has sworn unto thee if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. And all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, in the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy ground, 
in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain into thy land in its season, and to bless all the work of thine hand, that thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath, if that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. We take hold of those blessings. Those blessings that came upon Abram have come upon us, the Gentiles, glory be to God. We take all those promises. And do you know what? On the other side of those promises was the curse. And you'll read about quite a few verses, might be 30 or 40 verses, of the curses. But we have come through Jesus Christ, that the blessings of Abraham have come on the Gentiles, but there's no curse for us. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now Abraham was fully persuaded. And on closing, the blood of an animal so marked Abraham The blood of Abel had a voice and it cried out. But the blood of Jesus Christ cries out better things. The blood of Jesus cries out to you today and says that you are justified. The blood cries out and says the price is paid for all of your sins. The blood cries out that you are holy and without blame. The blood says that by my stripes you were healed. The blood says you are mine and I am yours. We are united. We are family. The blood says that you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people under God. The blood says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am your God and you are my people. A holy people under me. And as you look into your New Testament, And you keep looking. And you are changed. From glory to glory. Until the day that you look in here and you see you. Changed into the image 
of his son. That's what covenant's about. The moment that you were born again, you were translated into the kingdom of God and the blood of Jesus Christ washed your soul and made you able to believe the new covenant. You know, when I got born again, I, I didn't... I didn't think that a person like me could get saved. I thought that was for those good living people down the road. I believe that Jesus died at Calvary's cross. But I didn't know that I could be forgiven. I did not believe in Jonah and the big fish. <laughs> I did not believe in Noah's art. But I, when I heard the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and I received him into my heart, I come out of that place. Someone says to me, do you believe in Noah's Ark? Absolutely. <laughs> what about the big fish? Absolutely. It's in the Bible. I'm a believer. Glory be to God. And God's looking for believers today. Hallelujah. We get tied up in churchy things. I thought I was a free man when I was in that early church I was telling you about. I loved that church. There was no other church in the whole world better than that. It was just a tremendous church. But when I come back and I'm changed, and I don't have to be sick anymore. I don't have to be poor anymore. My mind had been renewed in the matter of a week because I was open. My heart was open. I took it all, bypassed my religious upbringing into my heart. And I've never looked back. I've always been kind of strange because I believe it Amen. with all my heart. Hallelujah. There is a cry in my heart for you. God, put it there. He loves you. He loves you. 
as much as he loves Jesus. He doesn't want to see you going hungry. He doesn't want to see you poor. He doesn't want to see you in sickness and disease. You're his children. He's for you, not against you. He wants you to cherish him. He wants you to put aside those things that are holding you back and going all the way with him. He's already made you the head and not the tail. He's made you above only and not beneath. He is your God. Now I've asked the Lord how to minister to you now. He has told me that when a person gets born again, they're babies. And so that when they get sick, call on the elders and they will come and lay their hands on them and they will Feel me. Well, they will put ointment and anoint them. I remember a man from Wellington when we were out on the road, he followed us all the way down to Christchurch. He was a man, been a Christian many years, and he hadn't been, he hadn't uh, had this horrible disease. And he come and knocked on the bus and I recognised him from being up here. And he says, I want you to pray for me, deliver me of this dreadful disease. So I says, oh, come on in and took the anointing bottle. You know what I did? <laughs> I poured that over that man. And do you know what? We prayed the prayer of faith and he said, I'm healed, I'm free. That anointing, oil, triggers off something. They feel healing. They feel God. They feel. And when you put your hands on someone, there is an anointing that they feel. And so, when a preacher comes or pastor calls for anyone want to be healed, we rush up to the altar and they lay hands on you so you can feel something. But do you know what the Bible also says? He that has an affliction, let him pray. It's time for us who have been in the way four or five years, 
to have grown up enough that we don't need or feel anything. That we can come to the articles of our covenant with God, which is the New Testament, that says, by his stripes you were healed, Jim. And absolutely believe that and confess it out our mouth and begin to say, no devil, no sickness, get out and peddle your junk somewhere else. I'm not taking any of it. I'm a covenant man. And guess what? You begin to walk out of all that stuff. It's the moment that that drops from being a head knowledge to your heart. And what I do, I'll tell you what I do. I get attacked just like everyone else gets attacked with sickness. The symptoms of it. If I'm in bed, I get a bit of a snivel. I don't want to say anything. I just want to lie there. But you've got to shake out of that and say, No, devil! Wake even Ida up. Get out, I'm not having anything to do with you. I am healed. I'm redeemed from the curse. I forbid any sickness or disease on my body. Every disease, germ or virus touching this body dies instantly in the name of Jesus. Now go! And you know what? Wake up well. But the moment that I don't, do you know what? I'm fighting that for weeks. You've got to get in on it. Am I helping you? Now I want everyone that's carrying any sickness or disease in this room, I want you to come up here now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Just come on. Good on you. Come on. We're going to do this covenant way. We're going to do this covenant way. We're growing up today. Are you listening to me? We're growing up today. Could I have the helpers with the communion? We'll just do this line here first, please. Now, folks, is everyone here born again? Anyone not born again? Anyone here that hasn't received Jesus as their Savior? This is a good time to give it. Give your heart to the Lord. Thank you, sir. Um, we just won't serve just yet. We won't serve just yet. We'll just... You're not going to get hands laid on you. You're going to get this by your own faith. I know. You're going to get this because your New Testament, your covenant with God says so it's yours. You're the head and not the tail, ma'am. You, you just receive. Yeah. The Lord loves you. Now you're going to say this very boldly.
every one of you, I want you to shout it out. And remember to keep saying these things no matter what it looks like. You walk away from here and you might feel in pain. But today, you're not led by the, what you feel. You neither, you're not led by what you see. You're not led by anyone that says anything that's contrary to your covenant. You're standing on the covenant probably the first time in your life. You're not putting up with it. You have the power with the name of Jesus to drive off any demon force that ever comes near your house. But your miracle is in your mouth. It's time for us to really let the devil know it. We're standing up. Hallelujah. Now I want you to say this. I am redeemed from the curse. I forbid any sickness or disease to come on my body. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke every disease germ, every virus, every sickness force. I command you to leave this body now in the name of Jesus. I'm a covenant man. I'm free. I'm the head. I'm not the tail. I'm above only. I'm not beneath. Thank you, Jesus. I'm healed. Nothing will come out of my mouth again that I'm not healed. I'm not speaking sickness again. I'm speaking life. I'm speaking healing. I am healed, Father. I'm your child, Father. I'm in covenant with you. I'm fully persuaded. I stagger not. I'm absolutely convinced that I am healed. Do you know what the truth is? You've just said the truth. You've said the truth. You've said it. Do you know what? The devil can't do anything about it. The moment that you said, Jesus, come into my heart, he couldn't do anything about it. You were transformed. Inside you was born a holy thing. And that holy thing was crying out to Daddy. Abba, Father, I want to be strong. I'm searching you out. It's out there searching God out. The more that you come to your New Testament, the more that you pray in other tongues, the more these things unfold to you and you are delivered by the revelation knowledge of God. I mean, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Thank you.